On this episode of Complicated Conversations, we welcome Avery Carpenter Forey. Avery is a writer and editor whose work has appeared in The Cut, GQ, and elsewhere. As managing editor at The Skim, she co-wrote the number one New York Times bestseller, How to Skim Your Life. She holds an MFA in fiction from NYU and lives in Connecticut with her husband and adorable daughter. Her debut novel, Social Engagement, is out now. Welcome to Pop Fiction Women, Avery. We're so thrilled to have you. I'm so excited to be here. Thank you for having me. Yes. Well, why don't you start by giving our listeners the elevator pitch for social engagement? I'd love to. So social engagement is a book about a woman's marriage that implodes on her wedding night. So it's a very new marriage, only about seven hours old. And all you know is that they've gotten into a scorched earth fight that they can't come back from. And Callie, our protagonist, is still in her wedding dress, in the bathtub with an almost empty box of pizza by her side, and she starts scrolling through her phone, as many of us do when we're anxious or bored or just need something to do, and she looks back on the preceding year and pieces together what went wrong in her relationship through the evidence on her phone, so primarily her camera roll and her Instagram, and you figure out sort of this toxic relationship that she had with a family from growing up and a lot of secrets are revealed and campaign Mm. is first. Yeah. (laughs) What a great hook. What a fantastic hook. So let's start with Callie. She has sort of the perfect narrator status. She's an insider who's also an outsider. So tell us about your development of Callie, where she came from, what inspired her and maybe any challenges you had when writing her. Yeah, so of course, the typical response when especially a woman writes a first person narrator is, oh, is this you? And she, of course, some of her observations are me or shades of me, but she is really separate from me. I I really did want her, and I love that you use that phrase, insider, outsider, because that's really was my intention of having her be an observer to this very privileged, moneyed world and having sort of a toe in it, but also being able to see it with a more critical eye Mm -hmm. and wanting to be in that orbit and not fully being a planet in it, though. Like she's she's trying to get in, also looking at it with side eye. Yeah, I, I, and I always love the insider outsider. Like the classic is Nick Carraway and Gatsby, of like course. kind of a scriber looking across the water. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So she, I, I really wanted her to be that. I also, and I know we'll probably talk about this, but I, I wanted her to have sort of a medical, an interest in the medical and the body, because that's something that I've always had a bit of an interest in. My sister is a doctor. So that kind of came from her. And she's sort of, I, I like to think of her as my like snarkiest impulses and sides. She's kind of the voice. She's like maybe me hungover in my mid twenties. <laughs> oh, that's perfect. Oh, that's perfect. I I love that. And we will talk about so many of those things because you weave it not just through Callie, but her relationships and her dynamics. So we're going to come back to a lot of those ideas, that insider-outsider status. But I also want to talk about her relationships, as I said. She's got some really complicated, wonderful relationships. And the first one I want to tackle is Callie and Virginia. Callie is, is I don't know, jealous is a little bit too strong of the word. It's more of like looking with that side eye. Virginia is very jaded and they're different in a lot of ways. But I wanted to talk about their conflict and their communication because at one point, Virginia tells Callie, they're talking and she says, your timing sucks. It always has. And Callie thinks, I want to read a little bit of what you wrote. I didn't know what she meant by this and I was afraid to ask. I was scared of being surprised by her insult, a critique I already leveled on myself I could take, but a pointed observation outside my protective film of self-awareness might pierce. She could gouge me. Mm. Wow. That... I mean, I could read from this book all all interview. <laughs> yeah. I won't do it, but we will reference some more. But that was so, so great. And again, I, as someone who is very harsh on themselves, I am. I There's hardly anything anyone could tell me that I haven't already leveled on myself, as you say. But this dynamic, we know that Virginia could come out with something that Kelly's not prepared for. Tell me, they're not frenemies. You can't put it in any one box. Tell me what you were exploring with their dynamic. 
Yeah, I think with childhood friends, and Hallie has a moment early on where she says something to the effect of, people often say about their childhood friends, if we met today, then we might not yeah. be friends. Yes. And that was probably true for us too. And I, I think I, I have a lot of longstanding friendships that are so precious to me, but I do think it's interesting when you find that you've grown in different ways and the bounds of your friendship have stretched to an extent that it's hard to accommodate and you don't know if you can sling back to each other easily. I also think that that's, so I wanted to explore that childhood dynamic of someone who's known you forever and you've sort of been in lockstep with and then all of a sudden like there's another she talks about how like the Venn diagram of their friendship is growing wider on the outside like Mm -hmm. the things that united you are getting smaller Smaller. and the things that differentiate you are getting bigger I think that in your especially late 20s or in their late 20s and I I find that that's when the the typical milestones that you hit together with your friends just start to fissure like you you're all in different places all of a sudden it's like some people are and that's why weddings are a great time yeah. to talk yeah. about this because mm-hmm. people get married at different times people start families or don't start families people like Virginia in the book has you know she's seeing women she's seeing men she doesn't quite know which is totally fine and she's on her own journey of self-discovery and Callie doesn't quite understand that mm-hmm. and is struggling to get there yeah, but they are, they they try, I want to say, they try, they don't like abandon each other. They yeah. try like this this moment where they're thinking about it and what did I do wrong and can I get it right? And I just th- found that really fascinating because in a in your relationship with your partner, you have to communicate. You're usually occupying the same space. You're around each other a lot. Mm-hmm. With friends, it's not so clear. How mm-hmm. much am I supposed to bring up? What should we fight about? What should we sweep under the rug and and move on? And what will accumulate if we don't? It's a, just a really a, this different. dynamic really yeah. It brought yeah. that to mind for me. I was like, mm, what am I doing? Definitely. And I don't know if you did. You guys read the? Did you read Dolly Alderton's Ghosts? No. I love that book, and it's really good. You'll love it. But there's some there's something she says in it that's something like in your thirties, in your twenties and thirties. Every choice you make, people take it as a personal attack on their own choices sometimes, especially your friends. Sometimes they think Mm -hmm. if you're doing something different than they are, there must be something wrong with them or something wrong with you. And it's like, we're all, there's such a comparison trap in Instagram, which I know we'll talk about that makes that worse, only exacerbates that. So yeah, I wanted to, like, I, I think that Virginia and Callie do have a real love for each other and there are deep roots, but they're sort of competitive and they're sort of looking at they're yeah. trying to figure out who they are and they're looking at the ways that they're growing apart and when you're with a partner like you said mm-hmm. you sort of have to address those issues head on because you're mm-hmm. managing a life together and you're managing those logistics yeah. but with friendships it, it's not so clear you don't yeah. really feel like you have to go there and there's usually not the competition element with a romantic partner. Exactly. So that adds a layer that is – we just had this conversation actually, Corinne, with Emily Henry about conflict and conflict resolution mm-hmm. and fighting with partners. But she said, but I I can't do that with friends. Like, which, yeah. you know, like what yeah. – yeah. it is. It's very different. I And I think we need like friendship counseling. Why don't we have couples know. counseling? Yes. But we don't have friendship counseling. <laughs> we need I that. was also thinking – that sometimes, and I hope this isn't too revealing of my relationship, although I've been with my husband for many, many years, so it's fine. But I think, especially in the beginning, there's that constant evaluation, like, am I going to stay with you? Am I, is this going to work? Are we mm-hmm. a good match? And with friends, yeah, I, I don't question that. They're just my friends. And yeah. I can't, I won't say to myself, I have to end this. I'm not going to break up with my friend in that way. I mean, I have over time, but it's just a different, it's a different dynamic. Mm-hmm. And I really thought you did a, I don't know, it just really sung for me in this book. So thank you that. so much. Yeah. 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 And I think there's, you can, there are friends that if you're not talking to a certain friend every day, it's not an issue. You know, you don't need yeah. to talk every day. You That's can right. Yes. Out of each other's lives, but if you're not talking to your partner, it's, it's questionable, especially if you're living with them. Yes. 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 Yeah, yeah. That's right. But I do think that we should treat female friendships with that same sanctity that we do relationships, like you said. Yeah, and give it the same care. Um, But we will talk about the relationships now, the romantic relationships. So Callie's relationship list with Wit is often disturbed by her secret ex, Ollie. 
For him, you pondered, is he the one that got away or is he the toxic ex you can't stop thinking about because you're bored? And if you do listen to us, which I know you do, I have a bit of an obsession (laughs) with the theme of the one that got away. And I read this, I'm like, oh no, oh no. Is there like a fine line (laughs) between the one that got away and the toxic ex you can't stop thinking about because you're bored? So please, please talk to me about this. (laughs) Please explain. I know. I I similarly, I know that you two feel the same. I'm fascinated by exes. And I don't think it's because I'm still in love with my exes. I think it's because I am interested in the versions of ourselves that those relationships represented, right? Mm-hmm. So you're chasing after a time when you weren't encumbered by certain responsibilities or the logistical management of a shared life. And it's really easy to romanticize that time and those moments with someone and of course you remember a highlight reel which I don't know if that might have how we're conditioned to remember things through social media you remember those like filtered moments that are in isolation and I think that exes can tell us a lot about what I, I think that there's a dark and a light side to everything right so if you look at if you remember good times it's also important to remember why it didn't work and when you examine that the true story will really come to light, like Instagram yeah. versus reality, right? Yes. Yes. Um, yes. Yeah, so Callie and Ollie, I think that she very much, because he never really gave her what she needed, which is definitely a trope of you you want what you can't have, right? You want someone who's not so available to you, whereas mm-hmm. Wit, her boyfriend, is very available and very kind to her. That doesn't mean that they're meant to be together, but I do mm-hmm. think that she is searching for someone who's not as open and transparent. Like she, mm-hmm. she likes a little bit of mystery because yeah. she has a dark side as we know. Yeah. Yes. 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 Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. I love that. And yeah, searching the three dimensional picture. It also is, goes for the same, like when you've decided you're ready to break up with someone and you only focus on the bad to keep that part going. Yeah. You're like, I need to break up with them. So let's focus on the bad stuff. But the, There's more to the story for both sides. Yeah. Yes, for sure. We narrativize everything. What is that, Joan Gideon? Like we tell ourselves stories in order to live. It's like you choose that narrative Mm -hmm. and run with it. And yes. Yeah. I mean, did Uh, you did you watch Sex Life, that awful show? Yes. Yes. (laughs) Awful but hilarious. But yeah, it's like X you can't stop thinking about when you're bored. I mean, (laughs) that's a little different, but (laughs) yes. She's lusting after him while breastfeeding. Yeah. 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 Exactly. Oh my gosh. Okay. We're going to get into the brilliant use of social media in this novel and the way you weave it through. But I want to talk about one specific account first, which is at Bridal Body with Why? 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 Because, of course, it was taken. Yeah, I love you threw that out. That was very nice. Thank you. Callie, it it starts because Callie takes some mushrooms at one particular wedding and she's watching Ollie's girlfriend and you write, her neck lit up from the inside. I don't mean this metaphorically. I could see through her skin, past her dermis and into the trapezius muscles sneaking into her neck. Anika's trachea pulsed red and Ollie's brain wavered into view. I could see it curled up inside his skull as small and defenseless as a naked baby animal. I mean, I need to be in your brain, by the way. I seriously love that. But I want to keep going. What if we all walked around with our insides showing? She has a really sexy liver, someone would say. A toned uterus. I mean, it's this so is so good. <laughs> uh, Bridal Body then was born in, in Callie's mind and, and in the story. And the storyline goes to some really interesting places. But I wanted to talk about the idea. Where did this come from? I know that you you already mentioned you're interested in kind of a medical background. Your sister is a doctor, I think you said. And, and it reminded me of Fight Club, like Jack's raging bile duct and medulla oblongata but it's not a gimmick it is fundamental to Callie's character and it's established well before that moment and it goes throughout so I'm in awe in awe of this and how did you come up with it and how did you develop this idea thank you well I I wanted her to have a secret because I thought and she of course has her secret lust over 
her ex, Ollie, Mm -hmm. but I wanted her to have something that was just for her. That was a creative outlet because she is a fundamentally creative person, but those dreams have been stunted because of financial reality. So I wanted her to have sort of an outlet for that. And I think that what I really was trying to explore with this is going back to what I said before, which is Instagram versus reality and how our outer projections are often at odds with the true story. And I wanted to take it a step further and explore what's literally inside people and how that's different than the curated outside. So especially when it comes to weddings, when I was writing this book, I was going to a lot of weddings and I was also seeing a lot of weddings on my feed and they all started to blur together, you know, the beautiful curated cakes and dresses that were semi-identical and calligraphied invitations. And I, I thought, how fun would it be to have a character who wants to delve into those messy parts underneath. And of course, our our internal anatomy is so obvious and uniform in some ways, but it's something that we know very little, most people know very little yeah. about. In reality, I was, I read, I was reading The Body by Bill Bryson while I was writing, which is a fascinating book about the body. And that's where some of the like factoids came from that Callie has mm-hmm. about the body. But yeah, and then it extended even further as I got deeper into the novel into her eating disorder because she wants to turn herself inside out. She's bulimic. And I think that it all comes back to, she's really trying to figure herself out. Like she's just trying to like dig and search for something. And I'm not sure that bridal body makes her find it, but I think it helps her come to terms with that search. Yeah. And I think those things represent a core. I know Kate and I, we talk about this a lot. We're always struggling to know like, what is our core identity? Like, am I just this way? Am I this way because I was born this way? Am I this way because my parents made me this way? Mm -hmm. Can I change it? And there's just something to latch onto there with the idea of like, this is your, you know, toned uterus and this is, you know, (laughs) like the liver. And it just is it's reductive in a way that helps as a starting point to build who am I? I just could not stop thinking about that long after I finished this book. Yeah. And there's something soothing about knowing that we all have these same parts, right? That like Mm -hmm. there is that we try to differentiate ourselves in so many ways and figure out who we are on the outside and how we appear. And Really, we're we're organs. We're yeah. super yeah. organs. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's it's the same with weddings too. When you're yeah. in it and you're looking at them, you're you know, like, oh, that cake is definitely different from that cake. Yes. But if you step back and you look at weddings, every wedding has a cake. Every wedding yeah. has a dress. Right. You know, it's yes. not as unique as it seems when you're really in it. And I thought that was another good kind of metaphor or parallel between the weddings and identity. Yeah. Thank you. Well, I hope you're seeing now organs on your Instagram feed. Uh, well, yeah. Seriously, 100%. now the algorithm's <laughs> going to send us uterus and, and liver pictures. <laughs> you're listening to us, you know. I well, they are. So let's talk about social media. Speaking of listening to us, I mean, really, the way you incorporate it into the novel is effortless, but pervasive and kind of the way social media is, right, in real life. And you said at the beginning, there's a great start to the novel, which is Callie in the bathtub, an empty bathtub, her wedding dress on, eating pizza, and literally just scrolling through her phone. As you noted, we all do aimlessly. But she's trying to figure out where things went wrong. So what were you exploring here in terms of the connection between memory and social media? Because I think we've touched on it a little, but I I know there's more. Yes. So I find it so interesting that we have our entire past in our pockets, like in our hands. And that plays into why we, you know, come back to exes. We come back to the past because it's so accessible. And I think... There's only so much that a picture can tell you, of course, like there's the frame, but of course there's everything that exists outside of it. And I I wanted to use that as a jumping off point to kind of go deeper into an event. So kind of use the picture and then explore everything that's behind it. Kind of like what Callie does in a more literal way with bodies, like strips them back and kind of peels back all of the layers of the outer presentation of something. And I think that, and I've thought about this a lot, I've written about it more recently about how 
our memories, how social media has sort of fundamentally changed how we remember in some ways. Yeah. Like there's, there are some statistics I read that when you document a memory, you have a blurrier sometimes recollection of it because you know that it's going to be recorded externally. So you don't mm. bother making a full internal memory, oh, and wow. which is fascinating. But I, in my personal life, I was sort of experiencing the opposite, which is, which my memories were sort of sometimes becoming subsumed by my performance on social media. So like, I wouldn't remember the details of an event, but I'd remember what I captioned something. Right, right. right? Oh. Captions are fantastic, by the way, I have yeah. to tell oh, you. Oh, thank right, you. Great <laughs> captions. But anyway, go ahead. Yeah. But yeah, and that's, it's concerning. But then I was finding that when I chose to anchor, when I chose to either publicly display something or even take a picture of something and keep it to myself on my camera roll, oftentimes I wouldn't remember being in that moment. I'd remember it almost in third person. Like I'd see the mm. picture of myself, which yep. is a bit strange. And I know as writers, you both probably think about first person versus third person a lot. And mm. I was like, oh, is is our reliance on social media creating more third-person memories? I mean, there's so much to that's there. That's fascinating. I, know, I when mean, like, I never yeah. thought of that. You're absolutely yeah. right. Because I always say that I post things because I no longer keep photo albums. Like I was always like my whole life, one of those kids even who was taking the pictures and making photo albums and scrapbooks. Like I'm like, so this to me just became an easier way to do that. And, yes. and so I, that's how I justify it. Like I don't keep photo albums anymore. And so how else will I have any memory of X, Y, or Z? But I see what you're saying though. Now do I, does it take you out of the moment or... Is your memory really now just that picture or whatever you captured? I know. And there's such a trade-off though, because I, and I don't think that thinking about this so much has made me want to go full Luddite and just log on water. Like I I think that it's, it's more than anything. It's made me want to participate, but consciously, like sometimes I find that when I'm, I think that when I'm in my lowest moments with social media is when I'm just passively consuming it. Yes. Right. And not, and kind of just like trying to retreat and compare myself to other people and scrolling and kind of looking at Mm -hmm. when I'm a full voyeur, when I'm contributing, whether, and I don't, I mean, I'm not contributing all day, but you know, it's like when I am contributing some, some things, it makes me feel better than when I'm not at all, if that makes sense. It makes complete sense. I am the same way. And while I'm working on my edits, I find myself just going to it Instagram when I'm because I'm anxious and I'm just scrolling and I'm like, this is making me feel so much worse. I've had to uninstall it several times and then I reinstall it. But I got to tell you, those kind of conscious thoughts of like, uninstalling it and then having to install it to look at it, it makes me think about it more and I'm not I'm not going off of it but uh, right. I've also noticed you're talking about also the gap between your real life and social media I realized now that I have so many good things happening I post very little and I tend to post when I'm I tend to post the bad things like I'm in a really bad place and I'll write like this really long you know caption yeah. of like struggles and and surrender and whatever but then when things are good I never post anything I'm like if you would go through my Instagram it looks like I'm a a (laughs) troll who's miserable and has the worst life ever but I think that's much better I actually think that that's great because I think that you're using it to connect right mm. whereas some people instead of using it to posture and peacock yeah using it to be like okay no I'm on the ground I want to like talk to people yeah yes I know but isn't it I appreciate that and I will take it in but isn't that also posturing what's posturing is like I am, you know, like, I'm in it. I'm struggling. The struggle is real, right? I'm like, and like, that's some sort of, for me, especially, I always value things that are hard. And so I need to stop doing that always. But, Mm -hmm. but, but it is clearly still displaying peacocking my values. My values are life is a struggle. Nothing good comes without a lot of work and a lot of, you know, obstacles. So it's just really interesting. And your book is. Yeah. Yeah. And the the seamlessness of like the, you know, the captions and the comments and everyone's handle names. Yes. It was just so 
Perfect. That um, was fun to have some Easter eggs. Like there are some handles that are based off real handles of friends yeah. or family. Yeah, it was fun. fun. Oh, that's great. oh, I love that. I love that. Well, this book is razor sharp, cutting, biting, color, kind of all of those sharp words, but it's also really fun God, when I you're you're you feel like you're at the weddings right like Mr. Brightsides I'm singing shout a little bit louder now Mm -hmm. and I was loving it so I want to unpack wedding season a little bit and what a weird and wonderful time that is kind of like I said when you're in it you see all these things are different and then when you're out of it you're like what is that like why did we spend so much money and make such a big deal and do all this stuff for for what and Callie's Callie is attending a string of weddings before that leads up to her own. And she receives an email that says, wear whatever you feel comfortable, one of the brides says. I want my girls to feel like themselves. And then she goes on to list, quote, half a dozen requirements for the choose your own bridesmaids dresses. (laughs) I mean, we lose our minds. We absolutely lose our minds. And I'm guilty. So I'm, but, but that's what I love about Callie. She, this insider outsider status, she's sending up something that she is very much a part of. So yes. I don't feel like she's being judgy. You know, she knows she's in it too. She's doing it too. Yeah. So yeah. Talk about weddings and, yeah. and what you were. Yeah. Oh, so much to talk about. I'm actually going to one <laughs> tomorrow for a very close friend and it's going to be so fun and we did have choose your own bridesmaids dresses and she wasn't too prescriptive about it but that is a big thing now is saying yeah. you know wear whatever you want but then giving essentially a powerpoint of requirements <laughs> to <laughs> for yes. what you need to choose so i was as I said, going to a lot of weddings when I wrote the book. And originally the book was actually conceived as I didn't have the social media at the very beginning. It was every scene is a wedding. So kind of like, you know, 500 days of summer, it was, you get dropped into the scene. So it was like every single chapter was just going to be a different wedding or like one day, which is such a good book. Like you just get dropped into that day. You get dropped into the wedding. And I quickly realized that didn't last for very long. So I quickly realized that you can't really learn that much about characters at parties like party scenes I think are a great way to like have tension boil to the surface but you need it to be bubbling in a more a more everyday pedestrian setting before you can bring that up I think so yeah weddings I mean there's so much I think that they are ultimately like there's so much to criticize and there's so much to give side eye to but they're also a party and they're really yeah. fun. And oh I think God. that, you know, no one wants to be the person at the wedding who's just sitting there rolling their eyes in the corner. Like you want to be up and dancing. And I think yeah. I think that that's the classic, like two things existing at once. Like this is a bit of archaic pageantry and uh, it's really fun. And mm-hmm. people can criticize aspects of it, but still want to partake in them. And th- that's partially the scripts that have been given to us, but also maybe just a deep-seated desire to enjoy life and wanting what other people want is always the worst thing right yeah that's so good and it brings people together it does I mean Mm -hmm. friends and family and you know there is positives but you're right if sometimes it just gets you so sucked in and you lose sight of some of the things you're saying about which are the good parts but yeah it's it's completely it's like when I think about my wedding day I remember you know it was an amazing night. And I, like like you said, I'm very much like Callie. I'm giving side eye to something, but I'm also very much a part of it. Like yeah. I, had a big, I had a big wedding. And I remember some of those more traditional, you know, the first dance, all of that, of course. But I also remember these like tiny little moments, like, you know, a conversation I had over a bacon wrapped scallop with a relative or I remember a you know the notes that we wrote each other before that were so individual to us as a couple and Mm -hmm. it's easy to lose sight of that when you are just scrolling through wedding after wedding and they all blend together and become sort of uniform when they're really supposed to be an expression of how a couple is unique yeah. yeah. Well, you have a daughter now. Will yes. like will you see this is I think there's like phases. I was in it and I wanted the I did the big wedding. I did the whole thing and I wanted that for me and all my friends. And then at some point I was like, "Ugh, I don't this is so dumb. I'm just going to offer right. my kid like $10,000 or go <laughs> yeah. away or yeah. something." But now like do you think you know what you want for what would you counsel her 
do the big wedding or do whatever you want? Or... So f- such a good question. And I have no idea because she's still. Like, yeah, it's five you know, months old. <laughs> yeah, she's five yeah. months. She's still like mm-hmm. basically a little, very cute potato. But she, yeah. she, I, I think it really depends on what kind of kid you have, if that makes sense. Like, I think yeah, that if course. I see that she's like someone who is both very extroverted and a joiner and someone who's like very into celebrations and I might be like, have the wedding. But if, if she's someone who's very like compares herself to other people really easily or gets down on herself or feels a lot of pressure from these events. Like I also think I had a, my mom who I'm very close to was a huge part. She kind of took over and like really helped me plan the wedding. And I don't know if I'm going to be that kind of mom. So I don't know if I like, I mean, I, I'm going to love my kids so much, but I don't know if I'm going to be like raising my hand to do every little detail for their wedding. So So we'll see. I mean, I think it really depends on the kid, but that's a great question because I have no idea and who knows yeah. what life will be like. This. And, you know, as it happens, sometimes you go the opposite direction. Like my mom literally joined in the end of my dad's sister's wedding. Like they didn't plan one thing. At the end, my aunt was like, do you guys, I know you guys are going to get married. Don't you want to just, do you want to just do it with us kind of thing? And my mom went and like bought a sample dress off the mannequin and they walked down the aisle. No one of her family was there. All my dad's family was there because his sister was getting married. No one of her family was there. The point is my mom did not care about a wedding at all. I don't think, I think they have one picture and the rest, because it was really my aunt's wedding. And then I was the other side of like, I want this huge wedding. And my mom didn't even know what to do with this. I don't even know what you wanted it. So she, yeah, encouraged it. Like back to what you're saying, whatever the child ends up wanting. And I think it's, I mean, my friends and I talk about this. It's easy to say now after we've had the big wedding, like, oh, I wouldn't do yes. that again. Oh, Who needs really? to do that? Well, sure, because I already had it. So now it's easy to go, you yes. know, just here, take 20 grand and, you know, go on a trip or something. But that's because I already got to experience it. So, so yes. that's and when you and when you both got married, was it sort of during a time in life when a lot of people were doing that? Like I yes. when I got married, it was I was sort of on the early to middle side of like my yeah. peer group friends of doing it. So I felt like mm-hmm. it was still really exciting and fun. And I think that now that once we've been to so many weddings, sometimes I get the sense from friends who are, you know, getting mar- finding their person partnering up later in life. I think that sometimes mm-hmm. they're like, oh, I've I've been to so many weddings. Right. I don't need we've, wedding. we've already done that phase. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. yeah, yeah but yeah. I don't think that should exclude. Like, I think if you, people want what they want. And I think that if yeah. you still want the big party and the you big thing, get it. go for mm-hmm. it. Right. Yeah. 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 No, that's a great point, Kate. Yeah. It's easy to say when you've already done it. Yeah. So I, speaking of brides, I have to ask about the Taylor Swift epigraph. She would have made such a lovely bride. What a shame she's fucked in the head, which is one of our favorite lines from Champagne Problems. So tell us about, I love epigraphs, and particularly ones from a song that we love. Taylor Swift. Yeah. And from Taylor Swift. So do you love her? You love this song? Tell us about the choice. Yes. Yes. I love Taylor Swift. (laughs) Yeah. I'm like all of the above. Check, check, check. I love that song. And I just, I think she is sort of an unmatched artist of our generation. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that she was talking about, I know on this podcast, you talk a lot about complicated women and women who were, you know, sometimes overlooked. Not that she's ever been overlooked, but I think that people underestimated her early on in her career and kind of wanted to put her in a box. And the fact that she's already you know, has a tour that's essentially a retrospective on her career in her early 30s. Yeah. Amazing. Talk about like, and I I hadn't made this connection until really saying this out loud, but talk about wanting to discuss like having containing multitudes or having, Mm -hmm. you know, a lot within you that you're trying to get to the bottom of, which Callie Mm -hmm. is in this book. Like, I think Taylor is an amazing example of that, of being someone who looks the part of a, you know, very successful attractive sort of typical female idol but she has so much roiling underneath the surface and there's something in her music that almost everyone can relate to I think oh yeah and speaking of like putting her in a box it was like first it was the country box then it was the Mm -hmm. pop star box and then it was like reputation came in like oh she's gonna go off the rails box no she is 
all of these things and she will continue to surprise you. I completely. And I love the, like, what a shame she's fucked in the head when she says that it's like, Oh, still mm-hmm. there's sometimes still a split second where you're like, Taylor Swift is swearing like that. Cause she used to be such a bubblegum yes. country right. palatable right. pop star. And I love that she's now really going for these darker yeah. edges. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. My favorite line. I was engaged before I got married to my husband. And that is just when that song, when I, the first time I heard that song, I was like, oh my God, that is my life. This is I, my song. <laughs> You're like, this yes. is my song. <laughs> yes. And that line in particular, it, it does just kind of jump out at you. It really does. I, I love it. So love it. And epigraphs are so fun. And I loved, I, that was always, I mean, that song, once I, I didn't choose that epigraph until I had finished at least a draft of the book, but the Edith Wharton one had always yeah. been there in some form because that's sort of a theme in the book. We'll let people read the book to discover how it plays yes. into it, I guess. But, um, yeah. but I, I like the idea of having something that was old and something that was very new and new. contemporary. Yeah. yeah. Oh, I love oh, the two yeah. together. Yes. Oh, I love yep. that too. Yeah. Well, we want to talk about astrology. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> talk about that. That could be a, its whole I know. One episode. It's, we it's true. Yeah. We're going to have to have you for the paperback release to, yeah, to go yeah. more. But you wrote about it in, in part – Mimi is Virginia's mom. She is going, and and Kelly's really kind of another mom to her. Mimi was part of the generation that avoided therapy and thought that analysis was a form of weakness. So for her, astrology, codified self-reflection, was a revelation. I loved this whole section. Yes. Where do you fall in the spectrum of Kelly and Mimi and astrology? Yeah, I'd say I'm zodiac curious. I'm kind of I I know oh. I have co-star on my phone. Mm-hmm. I'm not I'm not reading my horoscope every week, but I am interested. And I think that the more I've learned about it, the more I do think I identify with my lineup of signs. Of, oh, wait, so how much yeah, do you know are, about your lineup? Yeah. But by the yeah, way, are, so are you a Sagittarius? Well, no. Capricorn. So I am I'm a Scorpio. Scorpio. I'm a Scorpio sun. I'm a Cancer moon and a Gemini rising. Oh, all right. oh so and you I gave know, Mimi, you gave Mimi everything yes. but your sun. Exactly. <laughs> so, and Mimi's, I think I had her as a Leo. Leo. Right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. And Leo, and I know Kate, you're a Leo. Like I Leo to yes. your core. Leo yes. to my core, yes. Yes. And I always identified, I actually for a while thought that I was Leo rising because. I've always identified my mom's a Leo and one of my sisters is a Leo. And I've always sort of identified with the Leo traits more than Scorpio. Mm -hmm. And I, I had my birth time wrong. And so I thought I was Leo rising for a while and I'm, turns out I'm Gemini rising, which does also track, but, but the Leo, I, I've always liked Leo as a sign. And thank you. We like it too. Yeah. (laughs) Mimi, Mimi was definitely a Leo. And Corinne, are you a Capricorn? Aries. Aries, Aries, sun, Capricorn, moon. Okay. So, yeah. 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 That I'm is Leo so sun, nice. Leo moon, Libra rising. Oh, so. okay. That makes sense. Libra's very yes. like balanced. Like, yeah. So, yeah. Scales of justice, the lawyer yes. over here. Yeah. But yes. that is, yes. Mm-hmm. I love that you're Zodiac curious. Yes. Yes. And how, I mean, you both are obviously into much more into it or know more about it than I do. But do you, when you're crafting characters, is that one of the first things that you think about is like, what are their signs? I can't speak for Kate. Unfortunately, not really. I've actually, I'm actually in my edits right now. I'm like revising. Well, I do think I, I do think about it, meaning it has to track, but yeah. also mm-hmm. like, I don't think about it first. I think right. I'm like, oh, I got to, I got to back this out. I have her as an Aquarius rising and that's not her. So I have to change yeah. it somehow. But yeah, it is definitely, I do try to line up their personalities with their signs. And then I throw, sign. of course, because mine has a lot of, my book has a lot of astrology I in say, it. Yeah. I can yeah. use, I'm like, oh, that sh- that's not like a Scorpio, but I was like, oh, but that's okay. That's her Gemini, you know, moon. <laughs> So I can add a lot. But we also like other things to like the factor in like Enneagram or birth order or, you know, there's always things that like make, as we're saying, like make people the way they are um, or give them certain attributes. I'm a three. Two. Two. Okay. I'm a seven. Which I think, yeah, 
I think all of those, I know, I don't know as much about the, the, the numbers are sometimes harder to differentiate the zodiac. Yes. Like you can latch onto the animal and the image yes. of the mm -hmm. animal, but yeah, it's all, I think that it all, like, we're all just trying to figure it ourselves, yes. out, ourselves right? exactly. out exactly we're just like tools of self-reflection like you're saying or ways <laughs> to figure ourselves and others out so when people By the way, can I roll their eyes yeah. we're like come on guys we're just all just trying use to it. figure shit out don't <laughs> you don't have to you don't have to you know pray to it just use it for whatever yes. it does by the way seven is what i get every single time i take yeah. an online test for enneagram it's like you are 100 a seven Yes. But I went to actually early in my marriage, we went to couples counseling and we went to an Enneagram focused. This was like accidental. This She was the one who introduced us to it. And she was like, no, you're a two. I don't care what you're. Wow. How yeah, you're I've only done the online test, so I might have another side. Yeah. Yes. That's our only problem with it. It is very subjective because it's one of those things where you yourself have to, you kind of have to understand yourself a little bit when you're taking those quizzes yeah it's how well and do you actually know yourself <laughs> your answers may change like you yeah. know when you like different parts of you come out like in motherhood maybe i'll maybe yeah. i would have different answers to something now who knows right. but yeah. they claim yeah. this is your number is since birth it's really not yes, supposed right? to, I know. Yeah. So it's not supposed to change. Yeah. That's so tricky. Yeah. I saw a funny meme about astrology like an hour before we got on this call that was it was something like it was a son texting his mom and he was like, What oh, yeah. time was I born and what hospital? And like, she responded, run from hey, her? made from that girl. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Run from her. I've seen that. <laughs> Meanwhile, I'm gonna be like, date that girl. Yes, when my son exactly. says that. I'm going to be like, good. She's trying to figure you out and trying to understand you in all the ways <laughs> she can. So here's and I'm going to be like, and time. hold on, give me her birth information. I'll yes. run the compatibility and Clearly. then you can tell her what yours I'll is. Do the yes. whole I know I have a, a friend who is very into astrology and she right after my daughter was born was like, okay, what time? Like doing the whole chart. And I was like, yeah. I, she's, she's not really a person yet, but okay, great. At least we know where she's yeah. going. Maybe. <laughs> yes. And what is her that. sign? What is your daughter's sign? Well, I could she do the math is a finally. Sagittarius. Okay. Oh, that's what okay. it was. Yeah. Nice. Yes. I had Fire Sagittarius sign. in my head, but that's what it was. Yes. Yeah. Avery, do you have time for, should we skip to what are you loving or can we talk yeah. a little bit about oh, your path to publication? Yeah. Okay. Oh, awesome. Yeah. Great. Good. Oh, okay. Yeah. Because I am very interested in, in sort of how you got here, right? The path to publication. I know from co-founding Skim and then writing that book and now to fiction. So, so tell us. Yeah. I feel like it was a gradual realization. Like our careers are oftentimes, I think, a process of elimination, right? Figuring out what you don't like sometimes more than what you like. So I started in TV news and I realized that the part that I liked most about that was writing the tape scripts. And then I went and worked at the scam. It was very early there. I was the fourth employee there and I loved writing and I, I wrote there for a very long time. I was there for six years, but I realized that when we launched the Skim Reads program, I was like, this is really what I want to do. Like, I was like, I want to be, and I've always loved to read, but I had got so much joy out of picking out those books and getting to, you know, like speak to authors and just think about writing in that way. And that sort of led me to want to write more on my own. And I started writing fiction while I was working there full time. I decided to get an MFA at NYU and I was doing that. I did the low residency program that has residencies in Paris. So I was working full-time at the skim while I was doing that. And we decided the skim wrote the skims nonfiction book, which was how to skim your life. And I was the lead writer on that. So I think that gave me the confidence to be like, I know I can finish a book, pro a book length project, which that was a huge blind spot for me. I was like, I don't even know if I can get to the end of something. Yeah. Um, I, I'm not sure that I can actually have the stamina to do this. And I think that gave me some confidence in being able to finish something. And, and I went part-time a year into my MFA, I went part-time at the scam and like really took more time to focus on the book and writing fiction. And I don't know if you both have like novels and drawers, but I was working on a completely different project for the first year of my MFA at NYU. And I think that when I sort of came up for air and focused more on it, I realized like 
this is the book that I think will make people call me smart. It's not the book I want to read. Uh-huh. Yeah. The book that mm-hmm. would hold my attention for the amount of time it takes to write a book, which is yeah. a long time. And then yeah. edit a book and promote a book and publish a book. And yeah. 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 Well, there are books in drawers. Don't you worry. We've got, okay. yeah. <laughs> We've got drawers. <laughs> there are. Yeah, there I think are. every writer does. I've The more that I listen to writers talk on podcasts like this and meet other writers. I think it's very rare that someone's first idea is the one that gets published. Oh my gosh. Yeah, no. And Mm -hmm. speaking of ideas, there is so much, I mean, we will just, I just want to touch on it quickly, but there's so much kind of meat to chew on in this book and social engagement about creativity and ideas and Mm -hmm. like, what is your idea? And can someone take your idea? Well, we know someone can take your idea and make it their own fully. Like I thought like your, this idea reminded me of Fight Club, but did not at all feel like it was that at all. So, but then also you can really take someone else's idea and well, there's some debate in there in the book, but I don't know if you want to talk about generally what your thoughts are about ideas. Yeah. I think that it's also very timely to think about this in the context of AI and chat GPT, because mm-hmm. that's like people are so paranoid that we are going to be, you know, replaced or replicated, but all art already is sort of a replication of things that came before it. And mm-hmm. I don't think I, I'm not right now. I mean, talk to me in a few months. That's changing all the time. But right now I'm not so worried about that just because I think that people want to read art that comes from humans and comes from lived experience. Yeah. But yeah, I think I was, the commentary on that in social engagement came from a place of I'm I definitely was paranoid about when you're writing a book, your head's down for so long and you're kind of in your own little cave. And I was paranoid that someone else was going to come out with the same book. And yeah. I was like, oh my gosh, I'm going to yes. like come up for air and realize that someone else stole my idea when really no one can steal my idea because no one's me, right? Yeah. Like no one's coming right. at it from the exact same perspective as you. It's a typical like, when someone looks at a Jackson Pollock and says, oh, my kid could finger paint that, whatever. Right, right. But it's like, no, they they can't because it doesn't have the same intention behind it. And yeah, they're right. not that artist, right? So yeah. I, I think that that paranoia is understandable, but ultimately unfounded because no one can actually produce what you're going to produce. But. Yeah, the execution. It's, it's all in the execution. That is something I've had to learn too because I was all about – because you do need a good idea too – but I was all about the idea and someone's going to steal my idea and my idea, my idea, my idea. And it really is just about the execution of it that matters. Okay. I saw a great WGA picket sign that said, AI doesn't have childhood trauma. <laughs> <laughs> That's perfect. That's, That's amazing. Yeah, That's why we will never be replaced. Really good, I know. Yeah. So true. Yes, they have. And yeah. it's unsurprising since they're writers. Of course. Yes. Of course. Yes. Yeah, Best yeah. signs for sure. <laughs> Avery, I really could talk to you all day. I know we could talk days. for days. This has been so fun. I, I know, but we but we yes. have one more question before you go. Yes, what are you loving? Any yes. books so, that you're reading or shows that you're watching? Tell us, please. Yes, so I am right now reading "Marrying the Ketchups" by Jennifer Close, and I'm loving it. I'm yes. almost at the end of it. She's. I'm doing an event with her in DC on June 1st, and she's. I had read "Girls in White Dresses" and loved it, and this book is just. I'm loving it even more. It's so fun. Such a really fun family saga. It's like the family stone, but with hints of writers and lovers or sweet bitter because of the restaurant oh, vibes. Yes. It's really fun. And it sort of reminded me of a debut because that came out, Marrying the Ketchups came out a few years ago, but it reminded me of another debut I read recently, which is If We're Being Honest by Kat Shook. Mm-hmm. And that was also a really fun, heartwarming family epic. Like I love, I love a book that weaves together a lot of different family members and multi POV because mm-hmm. I find that very hard to do well. Yeah. Yeah. And I really admire it when an author can pull that off well. Like I love, I love Jennifer. I taught, I took a class with her at Catapult before they closed down. The Hopefuls is another great one of hers. So I know I haven't, that's, that's next I on love my that list. One. Yeah. I know she's yeah. really good. There's a lot of like wit and heart. I mean, there's yes. some, it's very laugh out loud at times too. Like I've been I laughing. Love as I love books that actually make you laugh out loud. It's not easy to do. It's really it's not. It's not easy to do at all. I listened to your episode, your recent one with Cheska, Jessica Major, Major. Yeah. and you were talking about some rom-com authors that made you laugh out loud. And oh, I was yeah. like, I, I took them down to my notes because I hadn't 
read any of them. Oh, I yeah, like, I think okay. we said Vari McFarland. And yes. I mean, yes. Emily Henry does make me laugh out loud. This yes. Her latest is not quite as, although she said she added in humor, Lots more humor. Jokes, but, yes. but it's hard. The, like we said, yeah. you're right in that interview that the, the calm part of rom-com is not as easy to execute as the rom yeah. part, I think. so. Not at yeah. all. And it's, that dialogue, like Emily Henry's so good at dialogue. Yeah, and, so, good. Uh, yeah. so good. I know. And I always, yeah. I think about that too in terms of like screenwriting because I have never written a script, but oftentimes, you know, people will be like, oh, would you ever, would you want to write something of yours? Would you want to make it into a script? And I'm like, yes, but I, there would be a big learning curve because dialogue yeah. is hard. And yeah. 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 Definitely. Anything else? Oh, no, I mean, in terms of- You have a baby. I have a baby, yes. I'm not watching. I was watching, I have a really long list of great breastfeeding shows. I'm I'm done now, but I was like in it, which is like, I I think the perfect breastfeeding show is a show that you can sort of watch kind of passively that's really light, like Mm -hmm. Ginny and Georgia, Firefly Lane, really good one. And Firefly Lane actually just came out with new episodes. They did like a- they ended yeah. the season midway and now they came out with a few more. So I'm going to dive back into that succession. I am loving. This could once again be a whole other episode. I need yeah. to hear yeah. more. Did you stop your succession recaps? Because you did one in which Corinne, you were like, I'm done. I'm done. After and the, we stopped. I, we stopped. But we're going to we're, we're gonna gonna do the finale. The we're going to do the yeah. for the end. Yeah, we're going to go okay, back for the end. Okay, good, because good. it's yeah. the end of the whole show. So we yeah. have to. Yeah, finish yeah. it out. I appreciated yeah. that though because it, there was it was everyone was very much like glowing, like starry eyed about that episode, and I did appreciate your takes. I was like, oh, that is. I, mean, I think the episode was great, but you can't do something just for the sake of like surprising people early the on. Shock. Yes, yeah. I did think. Did you watch the most recent one, either of you? I'm not caught not up yet. on the most recent. No. One. Okay, it's no, good. So. It's I thought it was the yeah. best one since then, probably yeah. because it all most of it takes place at one event, which I think that's they do that really that's, well. Yes, they do. They do. You're absolutely. Right. Do. I've seen the headlines about it because you can't avoid the headline. Well, Corinne probably can, but I do. I read them, <laughs> so it sounds like that one from even from what I've read is going to be pretty significant so I'm yes there, there's yeah. a lot of tom and ship like amazing yes drama. exactly oh, that's really what good. i've read is i the, do love them I yeah do. yeah yes. well i love to i don't love them but i love to to see them kind of working things out not well but yeah not, not well, well at all, all. Not exactly. Exactly. but but in a, a way that is sort of not relatable necessarily, but you're like, oh, I've seen this dynamic before. Or I yeah. understand. Even if yeah. it's extreme yeah. on their parts. Yeah. I was going to say, yes, yeah. it, right. Add like being the daughter of the only daughter of the richest man, a powerful <laughs> man. Like, I mean, I, yeah, that's not so far away, yeah. sadly. I yeah, love that you have yeah. a breastfeeding list. You're now bringing me back 15 years. Well, actually, he's going to be 16. <laughs> and I was watching because I guess, I mean, Netflix didn't exist then, right? I don't know. You couldn't binge. I don't recall then being able to binge shows the way you can now yeah. 16 years ago. So I got in a bad habit of watching General Hospital. I'm not kidding. Oh the soap God. opera. Oh, wow. I had not watched General Hospital since I was a kid. And yeah. apparently you can just pick right back up. I'm yes, not kidding. Nothing happens. And my mother was so horrified that this like <laughs> partner in a law firm on maternity leave is watching like your brain is turning to mush. I'm like, mom, I just need something mindless. I'm yes. sitting here I, breastfeeding. It is just entertaining. Leave me alone. Yes. It's not so going to kill funny. me. She I know. I, I was just. just I think that the more the serious someone's like job or career yeah. is, sometimes the more they enjoy mindless entertainment. Like my sister, yeah. I mentioned, who's a doctor, she's obsessed with Love Island. And I'm like, I can't, yeah. I can't even watch this. And I love a good trashy show. Yeah. And I'm like, this is even yeah. beyond my bandwidth for trash. Right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I, I regressed I to soap operas. So hey, whatever. Yeah. Yes, I love that. It's, it's whatever. Just. It, Juicy passes the time, like yeah. you need something. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And since we're talking about breastfeeding, Avery, I'll <laughs> I'll go ahead and admit that I was one of those annoying people that was in your DMs like, oh, st- you know, if you can stick with it, it's great. And then you're like, ugh, it's so hard. And I was like, give up then. Like, yeah, I, yes. yeah. I was like, I, I, I don't care. That. Yes. I so appreciated that because there is, and, and I actually repeated to multiple friends what you said to me, which was, which was, it's the only measurement of our motherhood in that early stage, which so people really cling to it because they think there's no other way to judge whether or not I'm being a good mom or reflect Mm -hmm. my 
skills to the world. Yeah. Like yeah. I, yeah. I, and for the most part, I do think that the narrative, and I think it's interesting that like my, my mom and her friends, like their generation did not breastfeed really as much like formula was kind of, they all mm-hmm. used formula. And now it, there's been a Backlash. renewed emphasis on breast as best. And mm-hmm. I don't know. I think for the most part, people have been receptive to when I, I did it for three months. I was like, that was great for me. I had it one night when I was, you know, leaking in bed and I was like, I'm done. I just yeah, woke up terrible. and I was like, I'm done. Yeah. But I did have, like, I feel like people don't talk about this that much. Joe Piazza and yeah. Joanna Goddard have written about it and I loved mm-hmm. their pieces on it, but I had some like post weaning depression because you have all these hormones when you're breastfeeding and then they dry up so quickly and you're like, what? Oh, I, yeah. yeah. I didn't even like, know that, that there's Yeah, like the prolactin Makes and the sense. Yeah. Totally. And it wasn't, it didn't last that long. It was like a week or two, but I knew I was like, I just don't feel like myself. Like I'm not looking forward to things. I'm feeling kind of dark. Mm-hmm. And I, it lined up exactly to when I was weaned. Uh, yes. Oh, that's so, I had that too, but it, it goes, it went quickly, but yeah, I mean, I think that I wonder if a, a lot of this return to breastfeeding is m- about, like, for the most part, if, if you were home and a, a, a caretaker and at home with your kids, like, feed them formula, who cares? Because you, you've proven, I'm using air quotes, that you're a mom because you're staying home with them. And now mm-hmm. we want full lives. And I am not going to just have my whole life revolve around taking care of my children so that th- I need to prove Proof, that I've, yeah. you know, a, a good mom. But I'm still I, a good mom. Look, yes, pumping. That's, that's, and that's I'm, a good point. Yeah. That's mm. such a good point. And I think that our our mom's generation, like it, it was definitely cultural, but it's also like one, you know, positive. And I feel like we talk all the time about how technology is so negative for all of us in a lot of ways. But like the ability to work from home and be remote, like has made it so that I think a lot of women are able enough. Unfortunately, I hate that this falls on the woman more than anything, but yeah. you know, it's like a lot of women are able to work from home and spend time with their kid during the day as well. Mm-hmm. I, it's hard though. I could talk it about is. this. For I, know. And sure. I know. And at the division of labor, that's like still something that, especially as if like, I'm sure you both are as well. If you've prided yourself on having like a very equal marriage for, you know, your whole relationship yeah child rearing really lays bare like some of the inequities i think mm-hmm. absolutely yeah. Yeah. yeah yes absolutely yeah so anyway i'm I'm glad that we kept having that conversation because I really don't care like what anyone does but I was only saying like it's hard I guess I was yeah. really saying it's hard and yeah. if you don't give up, there's again my I'm back to my roots of it's as hard, it's good, it's worth it. But oh yeah. But, yeah. But then if it's not it's, working for you, stop. It yeah. doesn't matter. It really yes. doesn't matter. Yeah. And I think I had guilt because it wasn't that it wasn't like she wasn't latching or we didn't yeah, have any yeah, yeah, yeah. I just oh, felt right. kind of like I was being held hostage. Yes. Yes. That's what I mean by hard. Yes. yes. And for nine months, you're already hostage to this new presence in your body, which right. and my pregnancy was relatively uncomplicated and all that was good, but I was sort of ready to resume my yes. life separate from yeah. being attacked. I felt like a prisoner on the clock with breastfeeding. Yes. Like, I, oh my God, that every time and it like was the like- the baby is a barnacle on you. Yes. And then yes. people would say to me when I like would tell people, and most people, like I said, were very kind about me stopping breastfeeding, but, and I have plenty of friends that didn't breastfeed at all. Like this isn't everyone yeah. breastfeeds, yeah. but yeah. Right. there uh, there is like a lot of people try to do it for a year or whatever it is. Oh. And I had some people say, but it gets so much easier after three months. Like if you just stick with it, it gets so much right. easier. And I'm like, it, it's, it's not about it easier. Yeah. No, it's about my time. Yes. Right? Yes. yes. About, Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. 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 But I, I think also that is part of it. You do it less as they get older. So it's like yes. they start to get other food. So you do. Exactly. do Because that was a lot of it for me too. I had some minor issues like every, like a clogged duck or whatever. But mostly it was just my time. And also yeah. – 
the physicality of it, like yeah, that's having the them I be couldn't. on you and and you're hunched. Talk about like I'm oh, already yeah. hunched from being on the computer Same. on my phone, yes, and you're like, exactly. it's a new sort of issue to work out with the chiropractor. Like, it, yes, <laughs> seriously, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh my gosh, oh, I can't, Avery. I can't even think back to the breastfeeding. I can't. It's like I still have. Oh nightmares. my god. Pete, well, so yeah, I had a friend who came in who's has like two kids and is done and her kids are past the infant stage. And she was like, saw my pump and the bottles oh and all that. And she was like, I can't, I have PTSD. I, yes. can't, same, I can't look at it. I can't look at it. Nope. Yep. I just yeah. never got the bliss part that some people do, which is, yes. you know, and, and if I had, I probably would have gone longer, but yeah, no, yeah. I did not get the bliss and the, connect I, I don't know I, you got general I, hospital just playing on repeat yes, yes, exactly <laughs> yes i was By in way, another I, world <laughs> i did have those moments it, it what good and bad it doesn't last i mean it, i'm yes, yeah. my daughter is still is lashing out at me for stuff it's not like i yes, cured yeah. anything it just is what it is and I know, like I wedding it. season it's like yeah, you're exactly. when you're in it you're like oh this is the most important decision i'll ever make and it's Sadly, yeah. totally. It's and then you take a step back and realize that there's going to be so many yes. bonding moments. Like this bonding moment isn't going to define your relationship. No, 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 so. not at all. And I keep reminding myself that they need you more as they get older. Oh yeah, like, like going away for a week without her. Like this summer, I'm going. Oh away for a week my god, her and go. I, like, you know, had some guilt over it, and then I'm like, no, I need to go because she's not going to remember. Oh yeah. No. I no. I have always been a huge proponent of that. I'm like, leave them when they're little. By all yes, means, yeah. many, yeah. many times. And just to be with your husband even. Like, yes, you, yes yeah. go somewhere too, but also like, just go. Get away. Just go be, yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And they'll be fine. Sure. Oh all right. God. Well, Avery. thank you so yes. much, Social Avery. engagement is out now. It is a fantastic book. Mm -hmm. It will make you think about so much. And it's also just dishy and fun. And I loved yes. it so mm -hmm. much. Thank you so much. I loved talking to you both. Could hey. talk for days. Um, yes, I know. Yeah. Yes. <laughs>